Greetings, I am your host, Tina Clark, and welcome to the second season of my Weirdest Experience podcast. This is the show of the weirdest experience that has ever happened to you and gives you a venue to fully express yourself and share your weirdest story with the world. This is the No Judgment Zone, a safe place to share your experience. And it's also a place where we discuss what happened to you and share some possible theories on what and why this happened. If you would like to be on the show, email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Hi friends, thanks for listening. This is your host of the Weirdest Experience podcast, Tina Clark. I also wanted to share with you, I have my own energy healing business called Stargazing Angel LLC. I offer energy healing sessions, EFT tapping sessions, tarot readings, and I also offer classes on Reiki, shamanism, and tarot and more. If you're interested in having a session with me, please call 843-695-7218. Or you can email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. You can also check out my website, which is www.tinakinneyclark.com. That's T-I-N-A-K-I-N-N-E-Y-C-L-A-R-K-E. Hey everyone, I have Isabel Maxwell here today. She's one of the leading spiritual coaches in intuitive development training. And she and I have been chit-chatting and it's like, I have to tell you that we were talking about podcasting and how I feel like I meet people for a reason, of course. And I feel like I make new friends all the time. And Isabel and I have been just chit-chatting about living and RVs versus huge houses and, <laughs> and places that we've lived and we felt comfortable with. Um, but she is going to talk about how she went from a skeptic to a medium. And we just wanted to start recording our conversation because it was so fun and y'all were missing out on it. (laughs) So welcome to the show, Isabel. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so interesting that she's in an RV right now in Florida. (laughs) And I'm in my massive house in South Carolina. So Talking about the difference in size and living style. Absolutely. Yeah, it was I was telling you that we've been full-time RVing and just traveling all over the country for the last two years. So let me ask you, what's your, what was your favorite place you've been to so far in the country? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I would have to say uh, Mount Zion. I would have to say Zion National Park. I don't know if it's the National, but Zion Park. It yeah. is... I've been there. It's amazing. When I, when I went there, I had heard about it, never been there. We got very lucky and we got a spot there and we pulled in and we, we went for our first hike. And I remember looking around thinking if there's ever a place that, you know, is an example of mother earth's like artistic 
creation, this yes. would be it. Yeah. I, it was the most beautiful place I had ever seen. And then second in line is actually the place that we're going to um, shortly, which is in Florida. It's on um, the Indian River. And that's where all the manatees and the dolphins like hang out. And you mm-hmm. literally back your RV up to that. And about 10 feet in front of you are just manatees and dolphins. And Okay, just, where is this? Because I want to see this. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to announce this. Because <laughs> a lot of us RVers don't want to tell people because... We want oh, to maybe you should send, just send it to me later if you don't want to announce <laughs> it on the show. No, everyone, everyone should go here. It's there. It's literally you sit out there and you just watch. Right now, we've been, you know, we've been talking to them. The mama dolphins are actually teaching the baby dolphins how to feed right now. So we're going to be able to watch that when we come down. But it's a Indian Mound Fish Camp in Oak Hill, Florida. It is spectacular amazing owners it's just one of our happy places you will not regret coming here not regret coming here it's it's incredible so i have a friend that does have an rv yeah you gotta tell her to hey let's go see the dolphins in the i love manatees so much oh i love them so much they're just big bunches of love yeah and you just they're 10 feet in front of you just swimming along and it's uh it's one of the reasons I RV is to be able well, to see all I have stuff. been to I think there's uh springs I think it's the land springs but there's a springs around the land Florida where the manatees would come in and you can kind of walk yeah. up to them and watch them and yeah and so I did that years and years ago so it's so cool and here you can put a kayak in and literally just float around them oh my god i would be in heaven magical yeah it's magical indian mom fish camp anyone that rvs you you it's got to be on your list okay i'm writing this down (laughs) and i dropped my phone (laughs) so tell us a little more about yourself and uh you know how did you end up doing what you're doing and being convinced that mediumship was a real thing. I'm telling you 20 years ago, I would have laughed you right out of the building. I would have, I would have said absolutely no way. I had religion, you know, I had the basics of religion. I grew up Methodist, you know, I'm a nice Minnesota girl and I grew up Methodist, went through confirmation. And then I just said to my parents, this just isn't my thing. And, and they said, that's cool. They weren't into it. So there was really no religion, no spirituality in my household. So I was really a complete skeptic. I have, I got a math degree from college at one plus one was two very, you know, science oriented. I have to be able to see it, feel it and touch it for it to be real. And, uh, I, I just, I would have never expected the path to unfold the way it did. And I'm so glad that it did, but it was, it was really a stunning experience. So here I am, not actively skeptic. Like I wasn't trying to prove anything wrong. I was just living my life. But one thing I did believe was that, you know, psychics, mediums, it's all, it's not real. They're just frauds. It's just, you know it's that woo woo thing. And I had that judgment 
So I'm 32 years old at this point. And this was back in 2005, just to go ahead and age myself, <laughs> but I was 32 and my grandmother was in Minnesota. I was in New Hampshire and she passed away within a few hours of her passing away. You know, my husband at the time and my two kids took off to the grocery store to get some, some supplies and things like this. And I was standing in my living room and I remember trying to decide, do I let myself completely fall apart right now? Or do I pull it together, get the airline ticket plans and get things organized? Because I mean, moments before I had been on the phone with her hospice room, you know, trying to say goodbye to her. And it was just so massively emotional. So I'm standing there kind of toggling between these two choices and she showed up right in the middle of my living room and scared me. I mean, it, it frightened me. I, I remember jumping back. I remember yelling at her. I'll never forget this. I remember yelling at her. If that was you don't ever do that again. Like that was my first reaction. It was like, ah, <laughs> don't, <laughs> you know? So it was a panic because the only thing my brain held on to up to that point was scary movies. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like there was, I wasn't a Casper the Friendly Ghost fan. It was more like, you know, Freddy Krueger and stuff. So it was, that was the only reference point I had. So it was very, very frightening. And then I went to bed that night. I didn't want to tell anybody because no one in my circles, no one that I knew believed in any of that. And so I kept it to myself. I just went to bed that night. The next morning, I remember my husband said, I had this super vivid dream about your grandmother last night. She was wearing this blue button down shirt. It was like short sleeve. And he started describing what she was wearing, which was exactly what she was wearing when she showed up in my living room the night before. Creeped me out, right? <laughs> I think that was the first time I had ever gotten goosebumps. And I, I just said, okay, I got to tell you something. This happened to me yesterday. Now, I was trying to blow it off, but honestly, my grief was, wasn't having it. I wanted my grandmother. I didn't want to lose her. She was my mom in mm -hmm. essence, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. And she was my, my, my loving maternal figure in my life. And I didn't want to lose her. So I was like, well, why don't I just explore this to see if it's real? And I approached it all like scientifically proof, quickly realized you can't approach it that way. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you know, I, I went down to, I knew a Tai Chi instructor. I didn't know him. Like I wasn't friends with him, but we had done business previously in, in a, in a um, fitness center situation. And so I went to him. And I, I adore this man because even how I approached him, which I didn't realize back then was a little on the rude side. He still just lovingly kind of embraced me and said, yes, I can help you. Because I remember pulling him aside and saying, Hey, you're the weirdest person I know. Can you help me? And he just, I remember he was like, absolutely. And then later I went, yeah, that wasn't the best approach. Um, but thanks for still loving me unconditionally anyway and helping me out. And he did. But you know what? I don't think weird is um, a bad word. And obviously it's the name of my podcast, you know, my yeah. weirdest experience. I, but I don't think, I don't think being weird, you know, would 
upset me and be like, hey, yeah, and I could prove to you how weird I am. Just spend some more time with me. <laughs> well, to be fair, this was back in 2005. There's a little bit more judgment around spirituality back then. It's come a long way in the last 15 or so years. And from, from my circle, my, my circles, my point of view, um, it was really an initial kind of judgment on my part. Mm -hmm. Um, I, cause I didn't know any better, you know, I am fabulously weird today. I think weird is the best thing ever, but I remember just saying, yeah, okay. You're the strangest person I know. You're the weirdest person I know. Like, can you help me? And he did. <laughs> and he was just, so he was my first teacher and it was a wonderful, it was a wonderful coincidence that, uh, there's no coincidences, but yeah. Right. 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 Everything's meant. Not. That was called first synchronicity. There you Divine go. Divine timing. Everything happens yes. exactly at the right time. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And it was, um, it was interesting because when she showed up in my living room, first off, I, I now look back and she was, she's a funny, cheeky kind of lady, you know? So I know that she probably passed away, went to the other side and went, oh, what? Oh, so she, my granddaughter's scheduled to do that. Can I, can I be the one? Can I like scare? Can I pop into her living room on and out? And they're like, go yep. ahead, go ahead, Josephine. And she probably went, yeah, because she showed up. She was right in front of me. So it wasn't even a, out of the corner of the eye sort of thing. It was as if, you know, I'm looking at you and she was like 70% solid. She smiled, she winked and then disappeared she thoroughly enjoyed that moment and I love that she enjoyed that moment well here's the thing is when they pass on it's very freeing you know if they had been sick or had some physical problems all of a sudden all that's gone and wiped away and then you know you're you kind of have that awareness of everything all at once mm -hmm. and um, I remember having a dream about a client of mine who died of pancreatic cancer and I was actually in France at the time and I dreamt of him and he was showing me all the cool things he could do <laughs> like he was really excited he's like look Tina I could do this and I like I just felt this sense of empowerment from him and yeah. since I I was in France I didn't know he had died but I had that feeling, of course, well, he must, if he passed away, I won't be surprised. And then yeah. when I returned from France, I heard that he did pass away. And I was like, of course, the dream makes sense because it's real. It's not just a dream. It's a visitation. Yeah. And I, and I told his wife, you know, I said, Hey, I had this dream about him in France and I've had a, I wanted to tell you what happened and have you been dreaming about him? And she said, oh yeah, I've been dreaming about him. Yes. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. I remember mm -hmm. sitting with this, just this beautiful woman in hospice and she was, you could tell that she was trying, you know, to, to let go and she was trying to release and I went home that night and I woke up the next day and I had been in a pattern for a number of days because I was working with the family in hospice and I would wake up every day, get in the car and I would go there and hang out for the day, come home. 
So I woke up, got in the car, I'm halfway there. And she showed up in my passenger seat and she's like, Bo, I did it. And I was like, you did, <laughs> you did. Like she was so excited. She was like, I did it. I look at, look at, look and look at this and look at that. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. There's this beautiful freeing feeling to being able to let go of the linear mind, the fear-based mind, you know, it's uh it's awesome because you're still you. It's just you're you worry-free with a big, huge observational perspective. It's really cool. And they're still alive. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not like they got canceled, cleared, deleted, and disappeared from the universe. They're still there. There's their energy and and everything wrapped it, and you can feel it. So yeah. if you're a clairsentient or a big feeler, you can feel their energy and their presence, and it feels alive. Yeah. So I'm the worst person in a funeral now. I mean, I'm just like, <laughs> there's there's Uncle Roger in the corner. He's smiling. Oh, I can't tell anybody because I'm going to freak out my family. But he's yeah. okay. <laughs> we gotta let him grieve. Let him grieve. Let's not do this. Yeah, it's uh, let him have their moment. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's so true. The only thing that's now, you know, you just don't. You're not carrying the body. You're not in the physical body anymore. Mm-hmm. We come down here, you know, and a, a little piece of our higher self comes down here, gets into this vehicle, has a lifetime, and then exits the vehicle when it's time to exit and. It's a really, really cool experience to have. Not all of it is fun and, and, you know, exciting, but when we start to see it for what it is, I think that we find a little bit of a deeper appreciation for the human experience that we are having. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's really cool experience to connect with people on the other side, connect with people that are transitioning And it's really opened my eyes to a lot. I mean, today, way more compassionate, uh, patient in the moment, experiencing life to the fullest, getting ready to sit there and watch a bunch of dolphins and manatees swim by me. Exactly. So it's, um, I think when you open up to your spiritual path and you open up to intuition, you start to open up to more of what's really real, which is ironic Mm -hmm. because- that was the complete opposite of how I felt before that one moment when she stood in my living room. Well, so. now you're, you are in tune to the magic of the universe and the planet, and there's no turning back. You can't unsee and unhear and nope. unexperience what happened. And mm-hmm. that's what I say. It's, now you live in a magical world and then you're going to experience even more of the magic because you're paying attention now. Yeah. And there's power to possibilities too. When we limit what we believe is possible, we limit what we can experience. And it's really powerful when you start to open up to those possibilities, if at all possible, I tell people, if you can hold yourself in a space of faith and trust, 
even for short periods of time each day, your system will start getting used to being in that trust. And it's in that energy of faith and trust that you're open to more things being possible for you. That's it's and it's it can be tough. People say, well, what do you have to have first, the experience or the belief? And you know, for me, it was the experience I had first, but that was a little bit of a fluke. It doesn't happen the same way for everyone. Mm-hmm. For most people, I've told them just have as much belief under your belt as you can. They've done I, think, I think the key is to be open. Yes. You don't have to believe anything. You don't have to 100% be all in. Just be open to what happens. Be open-minded and accepting. Don't judge it. Don't resist it. Don't psychoanalyze it. Just go with the flow and be open to it. And that's when the magic happens. Because you get out of your own way. You do. You do. And the the belief of one particular thing is going to become solid for you when you experience it. Mm -hmm. But but belief in itself, like just believing in the possibilities, believing there's more out there, believing that, um, allowing yourself to believe, you know, this is, there's so much more, this could happen. I mean, that there's been studies where, you know, I used to be part of a ghost hunting team, which was really fun. It was really fun. I always encourage ghost hunting teams to clear buildings when they're done. Cause I believe all spirits should be able to go home, but with that said, I had been on a ghost hunting team before and we, we did a number of ghost hunts and they were really interesting. There's been research where when bringing skeptics on ghost hunts and then having and then repeating the same situation without the skeptic, far more evidence comes through like on camera, on audio, when the skeptic's not in the area, that skepticism is a shield. It it's it's really kind of a cloak. It, it covers things up for you. Mm-hmm. And it's completely fine to be skeptic. People have asked me all the time because I'm a former skeptic, well, do you feel compelled to convince other skeptics? Absolutely not. Uh-uh. No, no. A skeptic has every right to feel the way they want to feel or be where they want to be. Maybe that's their path in this lifetime is to be a skeptic from beginning to end. We can't discount Mm -hmm. what they're bringing to us, what we're bringing to them. We can't discount any of it. It all has to be. But when you bring that energy in and that's the energy, you know, that's kind of coursing through that energetic, you know, spiritual body of yours, then that's the law of attraction in itself. So by staying open, by saying, okay, I believe in possibilities, you're fueling your energetic body and your spiritual body toward the law of attraction, toward mm-hmm. opening up and seeing more and experiencing more. So it's kind have of like ever, steps. Have you ever heard of Dr. Brian Weiss? Yes. He, he oh, I, I took a workshop with him in New York City years and years ago. And he's this older gentleman psychotherapist that kind of... Um, fell upon proof of other lives and reincarnation through his clients. And I remember him sitting on that stage with his very relaxing voice Mm -hmm. with the microphone held up to his mouth. And he was talking about how 
to deal with skeptics. And he said, and uh, I don't know if somebody asked him a question or he just started talking about it, but he's like, it's not my job to convince anybody that this is true. Yeah. So I don't even bother. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, him saying those words, like you have to experience it. You have to be open to it, but you could experience things through other people, you know, like if you're listening to this show and the episodes, you can tell when somebody's having an authentic experience and they're telling the truth. You know, I always say that the emotions of it doesn't lie. You can't make up emotions. We're not Oscar winning actors. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. We can't just make this stuff up. Yeah, Weiss is amazing. He was the one that wrote many lives, many masters. masters. Mm -hmm. Mm Yeah. And he did the life in between life regressions, which is wonderful. You know, people don't stop and think about a person's security blanket, right? We all have ours. My current security blanket right now as a medium, I can see what's going on energetically around me. That brings me comfort. You know, as a skeptic, my security blanket was to not see any of that. When I was a skeptic, when I closed my door at night and locked it, that kept everything out. And a lot of people don't consider the emotional road a skeptic will go down by opening up to these things because then you shut your door at night and that's not keeping everything out so to go from believing that nothing's there to now you know something's there I can you tell I'm speaking from experience I literally I went to therapy for two years to try to process this because it can be rattling for someone to all of a sudden, okay, now this is a reality. So we have to know, we don't have to know, but we have to be considerate of somebody's security blanket. Like like mm-hmm. I said, my security blanket today now is that I can see energetically what's going on around me. So I feel a little bit more you know, confident and secure in what I'm doing and where I'm going and what's happening. But before my security blanket was very different. So trying to rip that away from somebody This isn't the best approach. So my security blanket was, I know there's something there because I can feel it Mm -hmm. and I can't block this, but I don't want to see you. Yes. So I said, so common. Yes. I said that a lot. I was like, I, I eventually, as I got older, you know, I started accepting the fact that there's something there. And I always believed in the afterlife anyway. So I was like, well, I know you're there, but please don't show yourself. That is so common. I have, uh, I've taught so many students and I can't, I can't even count how many times someone has said that to me. I don't want to be able to use my intuition, but I don't want to see anything. Like don't, don't show up at my house. Don't like pop out at me. And I tell people, they're never going to give you what you can't handle. They're, they're, they're not, you know, and even though, you know, I felt like that my experience was really intense and I still could handle it. You know, I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm that kind of person where like, if an accident happened in front of me, I would jump in. Okay. What does everybody need? Let's go. You know? Mm -hmm. So I'm, 
I'm a bit fearless in that category. So people say, well, I don't want that happening to me. It probably won't, you know? So if you have those concerns, they're typically not going to present in a way that, um, that you can't handle. I mean, I remember when I first started seeing more than my grandmother and again, it was like a pop moment, but again, I can, I, I could handle it back then. Like that's, that was my level of being able to handle it. And I I was a little bit thick headed. So we also have to consider that they had to show it to me that way for me to go, okay, something happened here. I didn't think that I could see spirit. I really didn't. But once I got my focusing muscle in there, you know, my focus and clearing my mind. And and I was like, oh, yeah, I can see a form there and focus in on it more. Oh, I can see it's a male or a female or I can see facial features now. And it was a process of practice over time. It, It wasn't immediate. And then through practice, you know, or working with clients or meditating, you know, it, it went, it went like full circle where my spirit guide could be face to face to me and I could see the freckles on her nose. Yeah. So that's how it evolved that I could see. But what was comforting to me, which is odd, is that when I spoke to spirit, I could hear them. And so all that awkwardness and that fear went away because I said, this is just a a person or a being. And if I just find out what they need and why they're here or what their message is, we can take care of it and they can move on and I can move on. Yeah, absolutely. And then I decided not to be afraid anymore. That's a good, there's a point where you just... You, you, you link into it and you understand it and you find more comfort and it just gets easier. And it doesn't help that, you know, you know, here in America, at least our culture is very, uh, based on, you know, spooky, spooky boo. Right. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of, um, fear of things popping out and fear of, you know, what goes bump in the night. I remember going to a woman's house and it was, I I love this story. I've told it many times, but I remember going to her home and I was talking to the homeowner and she says, my house is haunted. I'm terrified. I hear footsteps on the stairs. And every now and then I come downstairs and all my kitchen cabinets are open. This is terrifying, right? I'm like, I totally understand. I get it. Turns out when I tapped in to clear the home, it didn't need to be cleared. It was her aunt. I'm like, so, so we, we tend to like her aunt was literally upset that she had changed her pie recipe. Right. And I said, any chance the cabinets are open the day after you make that pie. And she was like, no way. Mm-hmm. She was seriously. And I'm like, what did you do? What's going on? That's different. Why would your aunt be mad about, you know, and she went, I changed the recipe. Well, there you go. Right. So, <laughs> so your aunt's just trying to get in contact with you. So, you know, it's her, but because we have so many paranormal shows and scary movies and things like that, it's very normal and natural for people to jump to hearing something or experiencing something and then instantly thinking it's bad 
or scary. And, you know, on a rare occasion, it is. I get that. I've been in those two, done clearings for so many years. Um, But a lot of times it's a loved one trying to reach us. And we need to rehumanize that, that ghost thing. You know, I love saying ghosts are people too. Ghosts are people too. Yeah, they are. And once we get back to that, oh, this is a person, then that's, that's where all the good stuff is. And if you having activity like that, find a medium, find a psychic or a medium or a shaman. I know that's not many of us around, but there's two of us right here. Yeah. You know, and we can work distance. We don't have to be there. You know, so find out what's going on, get some help because there are people out there with abilities that can help you. Yeah. Um, So you're open and, you know, and not everyone has focused on their intuitive channel to open it up. I mean, everyone's intuition is super strong. There's no special factor. There's no gifted ones. There's no you know, I know that that's a big pop culture kind of myth as well that, oh, that person has the gift, right? Or they're special. Or they're special because they can do whatever. No, they've just focused on honing a sense that you also have. That's it. So you can too. Mm -hmm. Just like if you're in a room and and somebody enters it and stands behind you, you're going to feel that. Everybody feels that. Yep. When someone's looking at you across the, across the room you and you scan it, the room like, and your eyes meet, it's because yep. you felt it. Mm-hmm. You felt them looking at you. So everybody has those basic skills. Absolutely. Now just apply that to a spirit, not mm-hmm. to a physical human. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think one of the signs of a medium is as a child is being scared of the dark. Because um, if someone comes to me and says, yeah, I was terrified of the dark. And I says, because you, you felt something and you knew something was there watching you or you weren't alone. And that's scary when you're little and And, you can feel it. Yeah. Right. And nobody believes you either, you know, Mm -hmm. so you're kind of alone with it and that's scary too. So as you get older, you realize well, no one's ever in my room at night because you're not allowed in my house because I have a lot of rules now. But as a child, <laughs> as a child, you know, you don't, you don't know, you don't know what to do, but now you know what to do. I'm very, I'm a very territorial psychic medium. So uh, my, my house is like a fortress. Yep. yep Good luck too. getting in here because if you do, it's not going to be a pleasant experience for you because I'll be mad. <laughs> hey even currently like i said we're full-time rvine this thing is a, a tank is <laughs> i don't care where we go it's a tank and it's it's interesting too because there's different energies everywhere we go yeah and we find that to be true so energies is huge when we start acknowledging it feeling it that's really one of the first steps and i love when you talked about focusing in on spirit And one tip that I love to give my students is uh, to focus by defocusing because a lot of us are, you know, we're, we're looking for something. And when you're actively looking 
you're using your human focus to land on the agreed upon reality. When the truth is what you're looking for is in between the molecules. It's in between that space. It's the, it's in the empty space. So defocus to focus is a great task. It's why when we see something out of the corner of our eye and we turn to look at it, we can't find it because what's happened there is out of the corner of your eye, your peripheral is defocused. That's why you saw it. And then when you turn to look at it, you're focusing on the material objects, the wall, the door, the the table, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not where spirit is. Spirit's not in the material. So if you allow your, your eyes to just relax and let go of the agreed upon reality, and then your focus kind of goes inward. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, I think that's really a big key to people starting to be able to see and to hear these things that we're talking about that they're feeling. And also the answers, a great example of this is the answers is in the silence. Mm-hmm. So I used to take courses, classes with other mediums and other Reiki practitioners. And um, when you're an energy healer, you you really hone your intuition very mm-hmm. well with more practice. So that's yeah. another segue into enhancing your intuition or your psychic abilities. Oh, yeah. But I would take these classes and people would... I'm not leading the classes. I'm a student. And the the students would be asking the questions of the of the teacher who's a medium. And there would this be this moment of silence, right? And I would get the answer. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I would wait for the teacher to answer. And she did, she said she didn't know. And I was like, uh oh. I know what it is. Do I say something? And I was like, well, this is not my class. So, you know, I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and I had one, one woman sitting next to me. She really wanted to connect with the, I don't know if she knew it was her grandfather, but I saw him clearly standing next to her. I could see his uniform. And mm-hmm. so I shared that with her. I said, I can see a uniform. So anybody, it feels like World War II. And she's like, oh, I know who that is. So she was sensing him around her, but she didn't know what it was. Yep. But it's in that, that in-between space, like those silences where the those answers come. If you're focused in on, and maybe I automatically do that defocusing thing. I don't know. You probably do. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. But it's definitely a technique that I've seen work for so many people because it seems like so simple, like something that you should think of, but then, you know, we don't because we're very much in our human existence, living in a very much a human way which is why we struggle accessing the intuition. We have to kind of shift from the human to the spirit within ourselves. And to do that, we have to kind of detach from, you know, the world around us. It's why meditation works well. It's why Mm -hmm. scrying works fantastic. It's why card reading works well. These things are um, getting us out of our own way. Yeah. Yeah. And when I do see things at the corner of my eye, 
I usually turn to the location and I ask, is there anybody there? And then I feel, see, or hear if there is anything there. Mm -hmm. Ask questions. The okay. better questions you ask, the better answers you will get. Sometimes Absolutely. it's figuring I, out what the question is. I have my favorite number one question of all time when it comes to being an intuitive and connecting, whether it's with spirit, psychic energy source, loved ones, guides. My favorite question is, what do you want me to know? What do you want me to know? Because I find that a lot of mediums and intuitives really limit the amount of information that can come through for them because they jump right out in the gate asking very specific questions right away. Mm -hmm. And if you think about this logically, especially with loved ones and guides, especially with actual beings that are, you know, conscious beings, what you're doing is you're meeting with them, you're connecting with them. And this is their opportunity to share with you that kind of omnipresent or, you know, that, that big perspective that they have, they've got all this knowledge, right? And then here you come and you're like, okay, what's your name? When did you die? How old are you? How tall are you? You know, what'd you do for a living? And so they literally have to kind of wait for you to get through all that so that they can tell you the really important pieces. But if you give them the floor right away, it, the accuracy just skyrockets because they're there to talk to you. They're not there for you to pick their brain. Mm -hmm. They're there for you to, to share things with you. And that's when the really good stuff comes out. Well, what I ask, what I've always done when I started figuring out I could hear spirit is, do you have a message for me? Yes. What? Yes. What is it you want me to know? Do, do you, you have, have a message? message? Is it for me, someone else? What do you need to yep. say? Yeah. Or how can I help you? Do you need help with anything? Exactly. Yeah. Because there's a reason why they're coming to you. You know, if it's out of the blue, if it's with a client, obviously they have something to say. Mm -hmm. And doesn't it make you laugh? Because if there's like a group of them, they're all jockeying to be the first. Like whoever the yeah. pushiest one is gets mm -hmm. to the front. Yep. And then you'll have a, then you'll have a client that's like, oh, I really want to talk to my dad. And I'm like, yeah, but your grandma, your mom's <laughs> side is way more like, she's not having your dad right now. Like your dad can yep. step to the side and she needs to say what she's going to say. Yep. So yep. yeah, controlling what comes through or how it comes through or who comes through can really block a lot of it. I mean, mm -hmm. you do have to have some sort of, you know, structure in a kind way to say to the spirits coming through, Hey, guess what? I'm human. I need a little help differentiating here, you know, and yeah. they'll help. Absolutely. They'll help. But yeah, sometimes there's one person that'll come through. I remember having these really cool clients come in. There's two women and they were friends and uh, they came in and one of them wanted to talk to a relative but the first person that came through was their former boss. Hmm. And, and <laughs> we had a minute to try to figure out who he was. This was back when like Obama was being elected for the first time and stuff. And um, so he was talking about politics and how excited he was about the direction things were going or something. And then he was wearing some particular clothing and they both went, oh, wow, that was, that's our boss who passed recently. 
And they're like, why would he come through? And then the other woman said, we were talking about him in the car on the way over here. And I went, that's why he came through. Yeah. Because when you talk about him, when you think about him, when you talk to them, they come closer to you. So that was- It's like calling them on the cell phone. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, so I always laugh when people- you know, they want to connect with a grandparent or grandma's grandma here. And I'm like, yeah, because you just mentioned her. You've been thinking about her. So that pulls her to you. You've been thinking about her. And that's that's a beautiful thing to tell people before they go into readings is, you know, think about them, talk to them on the way over and say, hey, guess what? You know, I'm going to go talk to this person, which you already know, but please come with me. And, and it does, it really helps to amplify the connection. So you were saying that you do clearings, which I'm so happy about because there's, I feel like there's so few people who do that. And yeah, I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to get more and more people to do it. Me because too. Really Cause I know work. people who yep. would be good at it, but they're just afraid. You know, they're, they're like, I don't want to do that. I just, I don't know. Like, well, I, I literally started a YouTube channel for this purpose where I shared, you know, it's called the other side chats. And I share my experience as a a clear, as somebody that does crossing over work, each of the videos is a story about like one of the experiences that I had. And it's, I started it in hopes that, you know, people can listen to that and find and normalize it a little bit, you know, take it out of the spooky and into the reality of it. And really get the meaning behind it. I remember when my uh, spirit guide years ago told me the first time that I was going to do clearing work and I was still super brand new to, to intuition. I was, it was still kind of fresh out of the box and I was working with my guide and he said, you're going to do clearing work. You're going to cross spirits over who are stuck. And my fear brain went right into, okay, ghosts. Nope. That's scary. And he said, they're not, they're people. And he goes, they need help. Wouldn't you want to help them? And I, I remember thinking, I think so, but it still seems kind of scary. And he showed me this vision that, that it just summed it up, wrapped it up. And I was like, yep, that's it. I'll do the work. And it makes sense now. The vision was there was this tall building on like a little island and there was a moat around it, a really large, you know, kind of rapidy moat. And people were um, climbing out of the building and then swimming across the moat. And he explained to me, this is their transition process. And sometimes people can swim across super easy to cross most of the time to cross Mm -hmm. over. It's Mm -hmm. a quick swim across. And then they're on the other side, but sometimes people struggle in that water. And he said, look, look down. And I looked down into the water and it was, um, you know, my kids. And he goes, would you help your kids? you understand you're a mama. And I'm like, yeah, I would totally help my kids. And he goes, everyone is someone's kid. Everyone is someone's friend. Everyone is someone's mom, someone's dad. And I was like, I get it. I'm on board. I'm absolutely on board. And it, it takes a lot less energy and involvement than people think. Yeah. And it's, it's a really wonderful thing to do. Traditions all over the world have been doing this. They've been uh, sitting with their loved ones for days after passing, you know, in the support of them crossing over. I mean, this is a a lost tradition that, you know, 
I think more and more people need to do. It's easy. Yeah, it's so it's way easier than you don't even have to really do anything. You have to just the the light to the other side's always there. Mm-hmm. Once you think about it, once you see it, and then you you just point it out to them said, there it is. That's where you need to go. And wow. I don't know if you've experienced it. It was almost like a magnet. Like once they focus in on it, it like pulls them up in there. You know, and then yeah, it's, it's automatic. It's like a people mover. It's like a escalator, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and it's just because people get scared. They're like, well, will I get stuck? No. The reason why people get stuck is some form of fear. There's always some form of fear and it can be a loving fear. Like I don't, I've, you know, crossed over a mom that didn't want to leave her kids until they graduated college or something, yeah. you know? So yeah. It can be any kind of fear, but the fear is really kind of wedging your your heels into the side of that escalator and stopping the, the movement upward. And really, as a living person showing up for that stuck spirit, you show up for them, you identify, okay, I'm here, you're not alone, let go of your fear, here's some love, and you just send them energetic love as much as possible, picture the light, even if you don't see anything picture loving unconditional warm light and encouragement and nine times out of ten that's really you know much of what it is yes it is i love this well thank you for doing it because i've been doing this for a while too and my reason is i'm here to help And if I have the ability or the mojo or the talent or the energy or the motivation to help this person or this spirit, then I want to do that as best as I can. Yeah, absolutely. And if I don't know how, (laughs) I'll figure it out. Or if I have no clue, I'll try to find somebody that can help. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I could talk about this all day, but we (laughs) don't have all day. (laughs) There's so much we could talk about. I know. Thank you so much for just having this conversation with me and allowing us to, you know, connect to your listeners. I think it's a really wonderful thing. Yeah. And if you're listening, you're still listening. Um, You know, it's, the world is magical and there's so much hope and there's so much help. You just got to go out there and find it. All the information you need is out there actually. Mm-hmm. So, so tell us a little more about like your, your coaching business and your book. And if people want to work with you, how can they find you? Well, my book is, uh, that was a, labor of passion there. That was a fun thing to write. The book is about the first two years of me opening up. So it's written in a memoir format. So it's a storyline, which I think makes it a little bit more engaging to read, which is a wonderful thing. But if you're interested in what that looks like, what that really looks like for a skeptic to go from complete skeptic to professional medium, it's a great book. My heart is really passionate about um, my community, which is called the Sage Circle. And I built that because it's an online spiritual community. It's got the um, educational component in there, all the courses and, and things, but 
it also has a very connected, supportive um, forum and, and uh, members all over the globe, actually. And they've got different chapters and different areas all over the globe, which is really cool. It's it's a labor of love for me because I didn't have anybody when I opened up in my circles. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of people out there who are walking a spiritual path, but don't necessarily have a lot of loved ones or friends and family around them that they can talk to or ask questions or connect with or share their experiences. So the Sage Circle was really born from that, a safe place full of unconditional love where you can explore and share your spiritual experiences. That sounds awesome. There's a lot of people that I meet that once they meet me, they talk my ear off because they have all these experiences and that they want to share. Yes. Right. And all these questions. And, and it's like, you know, it saddens me that they're not sharing this with anybody or they feel like they can't share, but there are people out there that you've got to find them, you know, whether it's in person or online, like your community, You have to find them and they're out there. Just take a risk because you know, when you're talking to someone, you think "Ah, something metaphysical is coming up. Should I mention it? You know? And sometimes that's just taking that chance. That person might completely, it might open them up. You know, I had a chiropractor in Virginia and I I talked to all my chiropractors for some reason, we're all get chit chatty. And uh, I, I mentioned something to her about what I was doing. And she said, well, you know what? I don't tell a lot of people this, but my family has a history of seeing elves. Yeah. And if I had not even tried or I thought she was closed off or I made some kind of assumption, you yeah. know, she probably wouldn't have shared that with me, but she did. So that was super yeah. cool. And now imagine this you know just a plethora of people that have all come together that you could just share these things with or or listen to their stories as well and it's it's really needed so the stage circle is really my it's that's i'm the i'm its biggest fan i absolutely love it and people can find all of this on the on thesagemethod.com t-h-e-s-a-g-e method.com i kind of put everything in that hub so it's really easy for people to find what they're looking for awesome so check it out all that information is going to be in the show notes and thank you isabel for uh connecting all the way from florida in your rv (laughs) yeah absolutely on my little vacation heading to go hang out with some manatees i love it oh my god that sounds amazing but thank you so much it was so fun talking with you thank you for having me thank you for listening if you have a weird experience to share please email me at contactstargazingangel at gmail.com. Check out our website on tinakinneyclark.com. Also, we're on Facebook and like us on Facebook and share your favorite episodes with your friends and family. I look forward to hearing about your weirdest experience.